You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast, UFC 279. Alright, let's get this over with, okay? I'm Fenyo from the fight side and this is the, the full preview. The full preview podcast or whatever. I'm super tired, it's early in the morning, I had to do like tape study on a lot of nobodies. I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, this card's bad. It's pretty bad. I mean, it's not that the matchmaking is bad. I mean, we, we'll get to that, but it's... It's not pay-per-view material. You you shouldn't be paying what the UFC is asking for you for US citizens. I mean, it's not worth it. Uh, I'm usually trying to find like the the redeeming qualities of the pay-per-view cards, but this one is very very poor. Uh, from the main event to the bottom, there are very few fights that matter, and very few that that are relevant to the division. I mean, this is just filler. Um, it is fine to have filler fights. I mean, you have to fill the car with something, but there's nothing interesting here. So, yeah. As um, By the way, Dan is not here. It's just me by myself. So I'm, I try to do this quick so you guys can have your preview. Um, as usual, I'm going by topology, bottom to top. So this card starts with a fight at light. Uh, nah, we're starting bad. Everything is bad today. <laughs> okay, this is a welterweight match. It's Darian Wicks versus Johan Leines. And what we have here is Wicks. Uh, he's coming from. He's going from losing against uh, Ian Gary, Ian Machado Gary. So Wicks has a wrestling background and a boxing background. I think uh, he's like kind of a loud output fighter. He can time his entries well, can finish takedowns on the clinch and in the cage. Has actually pretty decent finishes on his takedowns. The problem is that he doesn't really have a lot of uh, skill to control people. He's active with the lead leg kicks and he's pretty athletic, but, but as I said, he's pretty low output and one of his best skills is like countering in the pocket but he needs uh, his opponents to give him the distance to do so. On the other hand we have Lainez, uh, he has big power from both stances, he kicks and punches like super hard. The mechanics are a bit on the wonky side, uh, he's kind of weird, uh, herky-jerky but very powerful. Uh, he usually like stands on the outside and, and just like it's a big movement guy, so he does like a big feint and then he blitzes with a combination or like jumps in with a kick or a punch. Um, but he has some craft, uh, he's good at finding openings, he goes to the body very hard with the kicks, and it's a big, big puncher. Um, we've seen all Linus tire before, but Wix doesn't have the pace, I think, to, to make him tire. Uh, he's also like Wix is not like especially dangerous, even though I said he's like a he's a good counters in the pocket, but he's not like a dynamic finisher, and I think that will will favor Linus here. Um, 
the scorecards might get weird, especially if they go to if the fight goes long and Lioness tire. But I'm picking Lioness by first or second round knockout on this one. We're moving on to women's strawweight. It is Elise Reed versus Melissa Martinez. So Reed uh, has like pretty fast hands. She can time counters and returns with volume. The The problem is that she doesn't move her head at all, especially when she's throwing her combinations. The head is there for the taking. She's pretty physically strong, but she stands too tall, and that can be a problem when it comes to defending takedowns. Don't think that should be a problem on this one. Um, and I've seen her like being installed on the clinch, and the cardio is kind of on the soft side. Martinez... Um, Kind of similar, but she's a southpaw. She's a bouncy southpaw. Um, her bread and butter is the one-two. The the two on the one-two is uh, on the loopy side, but she has like she has some pop on it. She she punches hard, and she also like kicks pretty decently, and can put together double attacks with the with the rear left hand and the and the kicks. And the guard is pretty solid, so this one should be pretty decent. A uh, decent scrap on the feet. But I think I favor Martinez because being southpaw, she has more bar- variety, as I said, with the kicks and the better cardio. So I'm picking Martinez by decision. We're moving to Bantamweight. This is one of the best fights in the card. This is Chad Angeliger versus Aletan Haley. So Angeliger is kind of a slick boxer. Uh, he usually like, bounces on the outside. Uh, has good defense, like pretty good at pairing kicks. The he has the head movement and the shoulder roll, and he transformed that into clinches to stay safe or to find opportunities to strike. Uh, check out my Twitter. Uh, I did a, a little thread about him because I think he's very cool. He has counters in the pocket, and when he gets the jab going, as when he's at his best, the guard is very good, and he can scramble very good from the bottom, like very hard to hold down. Um, his problem is that the output is not that high. Um, I think I, I would describe him as being picky with his offense. Like He sometimes has opportunities to strike, but he likes to land clean and, and could do better with more, more volume. Uh, Alata Haley is like stiff, but very powerful. He's also like not very high output. Um, he has a, a very stiff jab, not like a... He jabs like it is a power punch. It's not like like a range finder or like a combination starter. Uh, but his best best punch is the the overhand, right? Like he has, hits very hard, has good timing, especially in the counter with it. Uh, has solid leg kicks too. Uh, what I like is that he also like uh, tends to close the combinations in the pocket with the left hook and can counter with it and with the right hand. So he's pretty dangerous. But he also, like, if you make him go back, uh, he backs up with the shin up in the air. And you can attack them that way. He's very tough, though. I think uh, Heliger has the crafter offense and uh, crafter defense. So that should carry him to a comfortable victory here. Just needs to be careful with Aletang's counters. Especially early in the fight because he's very dangerous. He's sharp out of the gate. But I'm picking a Heliger by decision in this one. We're moving to women's featherweight. This is Norma Dumont versus Danielle Wolf. So Dumont is more is like a patient counterpuncher. 
she scores like with leg kicks sometimes get the jabs going but she's like pretty low output she she likes to wait for the opponent to close in and put combinations together she has pretty good uh, hands the uh, quick hands put combinations together the, the boxing is pretty good when she gets there um, she goes to the body. I've seen her counter to the body, counter upstairs with the left hook. The left hook probably her best punch, but she also can crack with the right hand. Um, she can't be wrestled, but she has good footwork to stay out of takedowns, and she's a, a pretty capable grappler. Wolf, on the other hand, is a former uh, amateur boxer. Uh, she's very tall, fights behind a, a very long jab, like pretty decent jab, uh, mechanic on the jab. And she usually like uh, pops the jab there, doubles, triples, and then looks for the for the big straight right. That's like her money punch. She she hits pretty hard with that. Uh, she's also like can kick pretty hard, but doesn't have like any setups or integration into the game. But he, she's huge and athletic. Uh, but I think her react like pretty bad when she's losing exchanges. I think it's clear what the UFC is trying to do he here. Like they obviously like Wolf, and they don't like Dumont a lot. Uh, they saw Dumont getting clocked by by Megan Anderson, and they're trying they're trying to replicate that here. And Wolf maybe can do it because, as I said, pretty good one too. Uh, she's sharp early because she has a lot of experience boxing, but she doesn't have a lot of experience in MMA. In fact, this is just her second fi professional fight. I think Dumont has all the tools to win the fight. Uh, the counter-punching um, could probably be trouble for Wolf despite being her being the boxer. And she has the leg kicks and the overall well-roundness. She can probably clinch with her. Um, she's probably like a better athlete than Wolf is used to. Um, but she needs to take chances, and if if Dumont fights like she did in the third round against Macy Macy Gas on that, we will talk about her later too. Um, I think this fight is hard to win. Uh, Wolf might like stalk her at the end of her reach, but I'm still picking Dumont by decision just for the just because she's a functional fighter and she has way more experience. And we're moving all the way up to heavyweight, the big guys. We have Jake Collier versus Chris Burnett. So Collier has the advantage of being like a literally a fat middleweight. So that means that he used to fight in a way better division. That that translates into him being like a pretty well-rounded. He sometimes gets sloppy closing distance, but but he's pretty good at finding openings, uh, especially with the left hook. That's like his best punch. He's very solid kicker from distance, like he kicks, uh, he has very hard roundhouse kicks, but he doesn't use them a lot. He also like stumps the knee sometimes, I like that too. Uh, but as I said, he doesn't do it a lot, probably to for cardio reasons up at heavyweight. Uh, he's also pretty good at controlling people in the clinch and looks for elbows on the breaks. And if he ends up on top, like he's very dangerous. Like He has like legit jiu-jitsu and now he has the size to smother people. Uh, not a very strong wrestler, though. Uh, Burnett, on the other hand, is like pretty short for the division, but he's surprisingly quick for anyone that hasn't seen him before. Uh, he has a he has a, take, a taekwondo background, so he puts together like interesting combos with the kicks. Uh, he's a super dynamic kicker, but he needs time and space to do that. So he, if he gets pressured, um, he mostly relies on a very wide overhand. 
and he has trouble finding the tall people at heavyweight most of the time with it. And his big problem is that I've seen him like being smothered on the clinch by bigger people. And Collier might not be like naturally bigger, but he's pretty tall and he's he's very heavy nowadays. So I think that's a clear route to victory for him. Other than that, he has like the well-roundness, the reach, and he's a better uh, boxer in the pocket. So I think uh, Collier has like too many advantages here. Barnett is dynamic, can always find the finish with the kicks or with hands, but I think Collier by decision is like the logical pick here. Uh, middleweight next is Jamie Pickett versus Dennis Chululin. Uh So Pickett is like an athletic southpaw. He likes to kick from the outside and close in with short combinations, usually like the the right hook and the left straight or, or vice versa. He's kind of easy to stall in the clinch and he doesn't like pressure. But he's, as I said, he's athletic, he's dynamic. Um, he doesn't like pressure, but he still has heart. He can still fight hard when he's losing, even though if I feel he's like a bit on the frail side mentally. Tululin is more like a consistent striker. Oh, he has a very good counter right hand. He usually walks forward, not really like a pressure fighter, or he just likes to stay on your face. Like he's not very good at cutting the cage, but he likes to move forward and stay right in front of you. He can put fast combos together. He has pretty good hands, uh, but he doesn't move his head really. So, so he's there for counters. He's like kill or be killed in that sense. Uh, he's a solid defensive wrestler that might come into play here. Uh, Pickett probably can be annoying for Chulalin if he stays on the outside, especially being the southpaw. But I can also see like Chulalin being steady with the output, moving forwards, being troublesome for Pickett. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Pickett has uh, like the experience against higher level of opposition. And... And I've seen like Tulin gas before. A lot of his fights are early finishes. Pickett's pretty tough, as I said. Uh, it might get sketchy at times, but I think this is like a coin flip. I'm taking Pickett just because of the experience, but really like Tulin might might win this one pretty easy. Like this is like a coin flip, as I said. We're moving to a catchweight bout at two twenty pounds. It's Jelton Almeida versus. Anton Turkali. So Almeida is like a hyper-athletic guy. He's strong. He's he stands. He starts basically all the fights the same way. He backs up the his opponent with the front kicks and then shoots a super fast double leg. He usually doesn't finish immediately that double leg because he shoots for way outside. But he has good finishes uh, attacking the legs against the cage. And he's very strong in the clinch. Incredibly strong from the clinch. So he can trip people from there. Mm, he's a bit raw on the feet. But has pretty decent kicks. And and has like good ideas of countering and striking in transitions. So th there's potential there. But he spends most, most of his fights uh, grappling. Turkal is also a grappler. And he likes the clinch a lot. Especially... If he can swim under, using the, the underhooks to swim to the back. And then if he gets you to the ground, he's all about the back takes and, and back rise. Uh, he throws a lot of wide strikes on the feet, but the defense is pretty, pretty sus. 
So this is a uh, kind of a mirror match in the sense that they they are both guys that like to do like similar stuff. They like to fight at similar ranges. Uh, uh, considering that, I've seen Almeida being like a lot more dominant against better opposition than than Turkali. So I'm picking Almeida by submission in round two. But yeah, I mean, hard to tell because the it's hard to get a lot of information watching tape for both guys. But I'm picking Almeida. He looks like the better athlete. And he looks like the more technical wrestler too. So we go to Featherweight now. And this this might be the best one in the card. It's Ming Hakim Dawadu versus Julian Erosa. So Hakim, if you haven't seen uh, our friend... I mean, part of the staff right now, Miguel, Miguel Class on Twitter, everyone follows him, so I doubt you guys miss this, but he, he did a pretty good article about Hakim, and me, and I did a, a video based on his article. But basically, Hakim is, uh, has a kickboxing and Muay Thai background. He's like... He's like an attrition-based fighter. He starts with the leg kicks, put the bodywork together, if he if you try to close distance, he tries to disrupt you with the front kicks anti jab. He's pretty good at putting combinations together when he gets going and layer combinations at that. He has very good eyes to finding like good combinations. And he's pretty strong in the clinch too. Um, he's good at finding like solid knees and elbows. So he's a good fighter and I love him. Rosa is super tall for the division. Uh, he's at his best when he's like walking guys down behind long strikes, then gets on the inside and goes to the body with hooks. He's very good at that. But he's also decent on the on the back foot. Uh, he keeps active with feints. He looks. He's constantly looking to regain initiative with counters. He's pretty decent at catching kicks too. So when he gets the pressure going, he gets kind of crazy when it gets like too offensively focused and can be tagged a lot when he's walking forwards. But he usually wins that because he's super tough and, and he sees stuff coming when he's walking forwards. Um, Rosa's pressure could be trouble for him, really. But I think the Dawadu has the, the tool set to keep him from snowballing. He's the more technical crafter striker, really. Uh, Dawudo. That would do situation would probably make it hard for Rosa to to find the momentum, and I think if they are like in a in a technical kickboxing bout, I think I gotta go with Hakim here. But this is a very good fight. Very excited for this one. I'm picking Dawadu by decision. And then we move to the main card, and it's two o five. It's Johnny Walker versus Iwan Kutelava. Uh, work. Walker is a meme guy. I mean, he's huge. He's very athletic. He's pretty poor technically. I mean, he has some some things that he knows how to do well, like kicking, uh, flying knees, or spinning attacks. But but he doesn't have any like connective tissue between his techniques. Um, he has been like specially susceptible to same time counters. That has been his downfall. Like that's how. Like Corey knock him down. That's how Yamaha Hill kill him. So yeah, and 
And he seems more timid now that he's fighting out of SBG. I think they they think they they are making him more technical, and that could be good. But I'm not sure if it if it is against this level of opposition. Kutelava is like a step down in competition for now, but but Kutelava like kind of pressures pressures well. He's like an okay boxer, especially for the division, but. Has always has trouble with lengthy fighters. He's kind of on the short side for for light heavyweight. The thing that Kudel- that makes Kudelava is that he's a very solid wrestler. Um, like he can take down basically anyone. He has big round of pound. Kudelava has very soft cardio. Like we've seen him tire tiring a lot of a lot of times. Walker will be probably super dangerous early if he if he steals uh, is Johnny Walker, but if I had to choose, I think Kutelava will be able to to take him down. And I I'm not seeing Walker having the ability like Ryan Span had to like create distance constantly and make Kutelava panic wrestle. I think Kutelava will have his way with the wrestling. He he will have to survive some scary moments because uh, Walker can be very dangerous in transition just because he's so big and so athletic. But I'm picking Kutelava by a second now rock by a second round knockout on this one. I don't know, man. This fight, this fight. We're going to women's bantamweight. It's Irene Aldana versus Macy Chiasson. Uh, so Aldana, she's like a boxer. She fights out of uh, Lovo Gym with Alexa Grasso. So she has a has a pretty good punch variety. Like she can uppercut from both sides. Um, she has a straight right. She has the overhand. She has even a right hook when it's necessarily. She jabs and her money punch is the left hook. Like beautiful left hook with a lot of power. She can put it... She can... Uh, left hook going forwards, she can do it backwards. That's like the punch that she needs to win the fights. Uh, she has pretty good footwork on the outside and, and also in the clinch, I've seen improvements in the footwork where she uses uh, footwork and her physical strength to to get out of like dicey positions. I, I think she put emphasis on that after getting wrestled by Holly Holm. So that that would be interesting for this fight. Uh, Chiasson on the others on the other hand, uh, she moves a lot on the outside and she has long straight punches. She's very tall, one of the few people that are taller than Aldana in the this on, on the division. She puts combinations together, but uh, the longer the combination, she she tends to lose form, uh, get the flaily with the arms. She's strong in the clinch and she's a solid grappler. Uh, she wrestled a lot in her last fight against Norma Dumont, a fight that I don't think she won, but the grappling was uh, very important for her in that fight. And if you take her down, she's like pops up immediately. Like she has sweeps for days and she's good at using the her limb length to get up. Uh, even even though she's on is taller fighter, I think Aldana will be more comfortable fighting uh, a fellow long striker. She has more experience fighting fighting tall people. Oh, uh, she fought. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> the blonde fighter Ashukagan, and and she also fought Leslie Smith. Yeah, so that's uh, experience against experienced strikers that are pretty tall. Uh, I think 
I think Jason will try to wrestle on this one. Uh, I mean, uh, at least at least mix it up. But I think Aldana will be too strong for her. And, and if they exchange in the pocket, as I said, Aldana is more dangerous. She has that left hook. She has the combinations. And uh, she has better defense. Jason uh, can win this fight if she like annoys her from distance and mix up the wrestling. But I'm picking uh, Irene Aldana by decision on this one. Uh, this is a catch weight at 180, 180 pounds, but the division is water weight. It is Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez D Rod? So Holland, he's annoyingly long. He's very long for for water weight. It's not only the height; he has very long uh, uh, arms, and he can use that. He also has like a very good variety of kicks and straight punches. So he's very annoying. <laughs> That's the, the word that I would describe from distance. And he has pop, he has surprising pop on his strikes. Uh, I think uh, Holland is as his most vulnerable when he's trying to close distance. Like he he has the, the reach to attack from, from outside, but he likes to close in with like hooks and stuff. And he tends to do that with the shin up in the air. We've seen him counter a lot of times. The thing with Holland is that he has like incredible, he's incredible durable. The shin is crazy. Uh, when once he gets inside, inside he puts like relaxed combinations together very fast, and he has a better defense there than on the outside. I would say because I don't know, he's more aware there. He tries to exit on 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 angles, and. And yeah, I mean, he looks decent there. Uh, Rodriguez, uh, also kind of wonky mechanics uh, with the boxing. He, he reminds me a bit of, uh, of like Nate Diaz in the sense that he has this very like relaxed uh, punching form. Um, he's more on the flaily side with the elbows though. So that makes it easier for his opponent to defense punches sometimes. But he has pretty good uh, boxing fundamentals. I like how he circles with the jab. Um, he knows how to take angles. He puts combinations together very well because, as I said, he has like the boxing experience. He has the, the relaxed shoulders to put very good combinations together. So he has very big power, especially for a guy that punches like so relaxed. Uh, and the thing with Rodriguez is that he really needs the jab to to get going. If you watch, for example, his fight against Team Means, at the beginning he looks super mid. Like you wonder, like what's the deal with with this guy? Then he finds the jab and he starts looking so good. Um, and yeah, he's tough. He has very good cardio. Uh, he moves forward, but he can also like. Uh, box from the outside behind his jab. Uh, this one should be pretty good. Uh, this one is a good fight. I think Holland has the ability to annoy almost everyone in the division, especially non-wrestlers. And I don't think Rodriguez is trying to take him down. Uh, and I think, uh, especially if Rodriguez has trouble like finding his jab, that could be troublesome for sure. But I'm trusting Rodriguez on this one. I think he will find the jab. He will outbox Holland. Um, it might get pretty close because Holland has very good output. He has crazy cardio. That's one thing about Kevin Holland. But Rodriguez is also not one to tire. This this one will be very exciting probably. 
and it might get super close. But if I had to choose, I'm picking Rodriguez by decision. And now there's just like two fights left and this is a mess. This is a mess, guys. We're staying at welterweight. I mean, the one, the other one was catchweight, but you know what I mean. The leash, Li Jingliang versus El Kukui, Tony Ferguson. So, Li Jingliang, uh, mostly a boxer nowadays. Uh, he has like a Santa background. He has pretty good with. Uh, he has a pretty decent sidekick. He can kick too, but. But he's mostly like looking for the counter right hand. He's very good at that. Very solid. Uh, he's a decent wrestler too. So he's pretty w- well-rounded. But the thing with, with Li Jingliang is that he's very good at, at drawing offense with his with his jab, with the one-two. And then he can counter very well in the pocket. And he has big power to finish people. Uh, the right hand, the counter right hand has been his money shot lately. Uh, but and I'm and we've seen him like the the his last two losses were once to Neil Magny that used a lot of clinch and long jabs to to trouble him and the other one was the Hamzat one where he like threw the most stupid overhand in the world against a wrestler and got mal mauled on the ground. Other than that, he has been looking pretty good lately. And on the other hand, we have Tony Ferguson that used to be a, a very, very, very good fighter, but he's clearly past it. He hasn't been looking like himself. He has a style that relies a lot on reflexes, and I think those are leaving him. Uh, at his prime, Tony Ferguson was like a very funky fighter. He fought behind uh, super stiff, uh, stiff jabs from both stances. He had a piercing uh, front kick uh, he moved pretty well. He was more like a, not a pressure fighter, more like a pace fighter. He wanted to stay like in your face the whole time. He he wasn't he wasn't as concerned with keeping his opponent corralled against the octagon as he was uh, about keeping exchanges going. He had like insane cardio to break people down, and he was a a, a very good wrestler too. Like he had some sketchy moments with the defense, but he was very good on the ground. And and as a mat wrestler, he was very underrated on his prime. I would say the problem is that the the reflexes are leaving him now, and because his defense is so so funky, his it's not as fundamentally sound as other fighters. He's having trouble keeping up, and he's moving up to water weight. And I'm not liking that at all. He's immediately fighting uh, Li Jingliang that is like a lot bigger than him. Uh, Tony, usually the longer guy at lightweight, not the case on this one. Fighting a younger guy with big punching power. Um, I don't know, man. Doesn't doesn't sit right with me. Uh, Tony has some tools to to make it hard for for Li, for the leash on this one, but. I'm not trusting him. Like uh, the best he has looked lately was the fight against Chandler, and Chandler is pretty past it himself, and he got knocked out. Like the one thing that was legendary about Tony Ferguson, other than all the things that I already mentioned, was his shin, and he got like brutally knocked out with a front kick. Very sad to see. I don't know, man. This one, 
I don't like this one. Uh, I think the leash is going to to knock to get the knockout. He he punches super hard, and I'm not sure Tony should move up at this stage. Even though he is a pretty big uh, pretty big lightweight, um, I think he could have done okay at welterweight in his prime. But uh, man, I I'm not feeling it. Uh, and talking about not feeling it, we move into the main event. And man, this is a circus, man. This is Hamza Chimaev versus Nate Diaz at welterweight. So Nate, a career lightweight. Uh, I mean, he has fought a lot of well in welterweight, but he's also he's always looked like kind of on the undersized side. Uh, he's bigger in these later years, but I don't think that's going to matter. I mean, Hamza is fucking huge. Uh, just a guy that has no trouble fighting at middleweight. He's a tremendous wrestler with great top control. He has the wrist rights. He has the back takes. He has ground and pound if he needs. And, and Nathan nowadays is like similar to Tony. He's slow nowadays. He doesn't have the reflexes. He's still otherworldly tough. The cardio is still like off the hook. But... But I don't think those those things are gonna matter in this one because Shimayev is like he's prime, he's huge, he's athletic, and he's good. That's that's the thing. Um, I don't know, man. This it's clear. I mean, we all know the UFC. Won't, uh, Nate Diaz wants out of the UFC, and the UFC wants him to go out on a on a big loss on a big loss. But they also using his name to sell a pay per view because this pay per view, as I said super lackluster um there's not a lot technically to talk about in this fight i think shimai will take him down like super easily uh nate could get some scrambles going he's good at creating movement with uh butterfly hooks uh with rolling into leg locks so i mean if it gets if it goes long we saw shimai or gassing against burns but he will still stay composed. He will still uh, having power, having success. Nate Diaz could find some success late, but I don't think we're going to see late in this fight. Uh, probably the fight will get stopped via cuts because Nate uh, it starts bleeding in all fights and she might will probably elbow him in the face with ground and pound. Um, yeah, I don't like this fight. Um... Uh, kind of a mismatch and and yeah I mean it's the UFC playing dirty and I don't like that uh, Shimaev by knockout on the third round is my pick for this one and that's the whole pay-per-view I mean pretty pissed off I mean this is not good it's not a good product but but there are, there are some redeeming stuff here uh, fights to watch on this one it's uh, Dawadu versus Erosa for sure, uh, Angeliger versus Alatanghe Lee, also also pretty good fight, and Aldana versus Jason probably will be interesting, and Rodriguez versus Kevin Holland, that one is going to be good, so watch out for those, uh, probably don't buy this one, seriously, don't, <laughs> like don't, um, not good, not a good product, not worth the money, and, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, 
follow us on social media if you're if you haven't already uh support us on patreon if you can and that's it um see you next time for the next pay-per-view i'm fenyo from the fight side love you all bye